0: Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I 270 and MD 85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1 800 Gambler.
1: Hi, this is Jeff Tate, and you're listening to Cobras and Fire. Let me tell you this Rock is not dead.
2: You're listening to
3: the Cobras and Fire podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network, featuring the very special guest, formerly of Queen's Queensrÿche, currently of Sweet Oblivion, a wine connoisseur, world traveler. I'm talking about Jeff Tate. People, strap in because we talk about his past, his present, and his future in this wide-ranging, fun conversation. Enjoy. You sell your truck like a
0: Fire. I'm your host, Bruce Cannon, and I'm joined, as always, with the Untucked Baco. How are you, sir? I'm fabulous,
3: man. Uh, happy Saturday morning to you, one of our rare AM sessions. I I, I didn't prepare, so I don't have a Bloody Mary. Uh, maybe maybe next time. No,
0: nope, I'm all coffee. I'm just smiling <laughs> next Yeah, no, I'm I'm all coffee. I'm just smiling next to you in silent lucidity.
3: Oh, nice. That's Kind of creepy. A little creepy. A little creepy, yeah. Uh, Well, yeah, let me get into why we're talking today. Uh, In an almost unbelievable scenario, when you consider the timing, uh, (laughs) I landed an interview with Jeff Tate.
0: (laughs) Can you believe it? It's pretty unbelievable that you're actually interviewing him, don't you? Wouldn't you say?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you look at the timing of how this all came together, yes. I mean, it's almost like if I was a listener, I wouldn't actually believe it. But uh, no, it's, yeah. it's it's totally true, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, the stars have certainly aligned for this interview. Wouldn't you say the rock gods have smiled upon us to make this happen?
3: Yeah, it. Um, I mean... I could break down the whole process, but basically the our, our last episode went up on Tuesday, and by Thursday I had confirmation on this interview. So um, <laughs> I, I have to thank jo- Josh Toomey for a little help on this and the inspiration in. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's all good.
0: Yeah, I mean, even going back two or three years, one of our earlier bits was inspired by you going to a Jeff Tate show and the whole mm-hmm. juxtap- juxtaposition of who kind of his idea of his music and everything and who his fans really are
3: right yeah, uh, we actually get into that a little bit so i think oh you gonna, do? people are going to enjoy that yeah this might be one of the better interviews i think we've added out there it really is a smooth uh, conversation all the way through jeff's a very polite and eloquent speaker uh and of course he's exactly the kind of guy that you know i love talking to he's just full of confidence and bravado uh <laughs> and he he has uh he's a little more self-aware than i think i probably gave him credit to but not a whole lot but no he was a great guest you know, we haven't really broken down a lot of Queensryche. I know you're, you're, you're at least a decent-sized fan, as am I, but we haven't really dedicated a lot of time on this show to it other than to like, talk about some of the, the funnier aspects of his audience. Uh, wh- where is your, your background with this band? Where, how, where do you fall in line with Queensryche fans?
0: Sure. So, uh, like many, the Operation Mind Crime was, was the album for me as far as their, their whole catalog. And it's basically that and Empire for the most part. Little things here and there, Last Action Hero, the song on that, and a couple of select tracks. But yeah, as much as we we, we uh, poke fun a little bit, there is some legit, you know, songs that have never left my playlist from their catalog. And I, when you when you interviewed him, all of a sudden I realized I've seen Queen Strike twice with and without Jeff Tate. And one of the more unusual concerts I've ever been to was in 2006, they rolled out their sequel to Operation Mindcrime, mm-hmm. uh, creatively tied. Title Operation Mindcrime 2? Yes. Correct, yes. And uh, did you see this tour? I did not. Okay. Well, they did both albums front to back and they had an intermission in the middle, which is perfect because it's like theater. The yeah. You know, you know what I mean? And uh, we left uh, as soon as the second half started. It was uh, the crowd was like the comic book guys from Simpsons. Um, it was just, it was just very, there wasn't a, a single, I said, untucked baco. There wasn't a single untucked shirt in the audience except for the, myself and the two guys I was with. It was just, it was just interesting. It was even back then I saw like this, this is, Queen's Strike's just a very unique, and that's great. I mean, we don't want all rock stars to be Tommy Lee and Bobby Blotzer, right? We, no. You gotta have, you gotta have the uniqueness, but it's just, it's, I guess Queen's Strike, I, I, definitely love a lot of their catalog. I've seen them with, I saw him with Corpse of Dockin. Nice a couple of years ago with with their their new lineup and but it's just been kind of i don't know they're kind of an anomaly just it's something you have to sit down with like a notepad and listen to.
3: I I got into them heavily with Operation Mindcrime, like you just said. But I kind of went backwards and became a pretty big fan of that back catalog. I okay, uh, I, I enjoy the EP, The Warning, um, Rage for Order. I think those are all great metal records. But it was Operation Mindcrime that kind of clearly separated them from like the, the hair metal genre, and they kind and I think that helped them kind of continue c- continue on in the nineties. I saw him three times with Jeff Tate, open for Metallica on the Justice tour, Ooh. Um, opening for Judas Priest when they reunited with Rob Halford. So that was you know quite a big gap there. And then uh, they played a, a local festival here, X Fest, like two thousand eight or two thousand nine, and they were kind of one of the middle of the day bands. So I, I've seen seen them with Jeff Tate quite a few times. Plus, you know, I saw the Jeff Tate acoustic show, and then um, I've seen the current lineup three times at Grand Rock Timber. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah and I'm about Three about to the see, four years I was they've been there I'm about to see them again with the great whites nice yeah no, the they put, you know what they put on a good show and I think uh, actually yeah. uh, the, the singer they, they have now has done a, a better job of kind of mimicking the the Tate vocals as, as he's had more time doing it so it's it's still a good show I, I do ask him a little bit about about his old band I thought his in- answer was quite in- interesting if you read between some of the lines people will hear all that when when the interview kicks in
0: Now, I assume you you asked him something about Operation uh, Wine Crime, right? Yep, that came up. Did you ask him if he was going to, for the VIPs, offer Operation Wind Chimes? Uh, That's going to be a special surprise for you. I will not tease that (laughs) any further. Imagine just dangling those in the Fiat.
3: Yeah, they're they're shaped like that little uh, uh, (laughs) in the Fiat (laughs) with you and I in the backseat just sitting quietly.
0: (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. All you hear is Operation Wind Chimes Uh, dangling.
3: Yeah. (laughs) And you and I getting, like, dings because we have to text each other because the car has to be silent.
0: (laughs) Did you also ask him if, with advances in forensic genealogy, if if he has hope that they will find Sister Mary's killer?
3: Uh, I I did, but that's for our VIPs, so hit our Patreon if you want to hear
0: that. Which we don't have one.
3: And that is correct. But anyway, uh, let's get to the interview. Uh, I would like to explain something to the listener. There was a technical glitch that involved me pressing record. So the first 30 seconds of the interview, uh, it it, it starts in after I asked him. The first question I asked him was about hearing aid. So you're missing about, I don't know, three or four words of him kind of leading into it. But yeah, so if you're wondering what he's talking about when the interview just hard cuts, (laughs) it's because I didn't press record. I caught it pretty quick, but I didn't, I felt like a, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna be a dick here. Like, hey, Jeff, can we just uh, stop and start over? I just, I just decided to roll with it. I, I, I did the Gene Simmons play your face. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, I think a better story is the fact that you had to cut it out because there's some guy just yelling, "You can do it" over and over again.
3: <laughs> uh, if you want to, if, if you prefer that explanation, that's fine. The other one is that I'm an idiot. Uh, one of the two. Away. So the listeners can they, they can pick their own uh, their own uh, angle there. So. so thanks, Jeff Tate. I think everybody's going to enjoy this interview a lot. Let's kick it off with some classic Queens Reich, and don't forget this this episode goes great with a warm glass of Panat. Room temperature Panat.
1: I'm i was like 22 years old something like that and uh they picked us up from uh, the hotel and took us to a&m records uh recording studio in, in los angeles and i walk into the room and it's it's just filled with all these really famous people you know uh, everybody in hard rock was there and uh i was just flabbergasted you know And the next thing I know, Ronnie comes in, he goes, okay, well, are you ready? You know, you know, you know the song? I said, yeah, I think I got it. Takes me out to the recording place and um, gets me all set up with the microphone. And he goes, okay, well, just have a go at it, you know, and we'll just record till we get it the way we want it. And uh, no pressure, just, just have fun. Hmm. And as he said that, and he left the room. I looked up and behind the glass, I could see the control room was filled with the likes of. Oh, pretty much everybody I'd ever listened to on record <laughs> before. <laughs> you know, like, it was like, you know, Neil Sean is in there and, uh, you know, Rob Halford and, uh, God, uh, Eric Bloom from Bloister Cult and Ted Nugent and, you know, all these guys are in there listening to me sing, right? Yeah. Well, gosh, I was so frightened, so scared. I just kept my sunglasses on the whole time <laughs> and just. Just sang until Ronnie said it was good. You know, <laughs> I completely trusted in his opinion about it. Very but, uh, cool. Looking back on it now, I'm I'm so happy that I that I uh, I did it because it was a wonderful experience.
3: I keep hearing rumors are going to kind of re-release that in some form or another.
1: Oh, really? That'd be cool.
3: Nothing yet. Uh, maybe uh, maybe down the line here. You know, speaking of Ronnie James' deal, we won't get too deep into this. Uh, but could I just get your thoughts on on the the hologram? Do you do you think that's a good thing or? You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I it's it's not for me. You know, mm-hmm. um, not something that I would feel comfortable with. But. As I've joked, you know, I don't have any control of what my children will do after I'm gone. <laughs> so I would hate to see what happens to my image when, we have, when they have control, you know.
3: <laughs> we might get a Jeff Tate hologram tour someday.
1: Oh, yeah, probably. Uh, it's Halloween well, trick-or-treating in your neighborhood, you know. Well, hopefully we're
3: talking way down the road. Te- technology would uh, would be far more advanced. So, yeah, maybe you could even shake the hologram's hand, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm just planning on not dying. <laughs> okay, that's, just, that's my plan. <laughs> Outlive your
3: children so they can't embarrass you. Exactly. Exactly. Oh,
1: man. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit
3: about uh, Sweet Oblivion. I I just found out about this project. Uh, I don't know a few weeks ago when I I saw a news story on Blabbermouth. This is kind of a side side piece. I, I didn't get a lot of information on it. I got to hear the whole record, but uh, wh- wh- how did this come together? Basically, is what I'm asking.
1: Oh well, um, a guy at my record company uh, that's based in Italy. It's called Frontiers. Um, Serafino is his name. Mm-hmm. He had a, a protege uh named uh Simone Mularani, who's a, a epic guitar player, fantastic player. And um Simone was very influenced by my music, and uh so Serafino thought it'd be fun to put the two of us together, uh just sort of to see if something musical could, you know, happen. And he was right, you know, we we did a record together. And uh it was very fun and an unusual record to make because it started out with very familiar territory musically. Uh, you know, he was heavily influenced by Queensryche, so uh, the stuff that he was playing for me, you know, the the guitar parts were uh, very Queensryche oriented. You know, so it was it was pretty familiar ground. You know, so we had a, a definite moment of bonding over that. Uh, but then I think we took it, you know, a lot further than that but the uh, the thing that was really cool about the project, in my point of view, is that we we recorded it, conceived it, uh, uh, wrote it all without being in the same room. We were completely in different places in the world. And we met over the internet and and made this record. And it was so fun to do that because uh, it was so pure, you know hmm. the we were only concerned. About the music, we didn't have to worry about nuances or innuendos or strange, you know, facial ticks or <laughs> things that make you feel uncomfortable with somebody. You know, we didn't have to sit for hours and and chat about, you know, worthless stuff that takes up so much of your time with people. You know, we just focused on the music, and uh, and that was great. And it also afforded us all the ability to do our other projects that we were doing at the time time and travel. And like I recorded, um, I recorded in 19 different countries, you know, on this album. So in, in airports and uh, backstage at shows I was doing and in, in hotels and it was uh, really fun to do it that way. I, I, I would highly suggest to other musicians to, to try this because it really opens up your, your uh, ability to, collaborate with anybody in the world, you know? You don't need to be in the same city or room or country even, you know?
3: You know, it's interesting that you say that, because it has a very cohesive feel to it, uh, you know, as far as the sound of the record.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, the wonderful time period we live in now, the 21st century. The technology is so powerful and so much better than it used to be. Yeah. That you can... You know, you can take a, a topic, for example, something that's happening right now in the news, and you can create a song from it, you know, write your opinion in music, and you can record it, mix it, master it, and put it up on the internet for sale on your site in a matter of hours, you know? You yeah. can be completely topical right in the midst of the, the big conversation, and that is so exciting, and you don't have to wait for the the capitalist uh, mechanism to gear up and get into running position and ever to be everybody to be briefed on the um, the notes on how to sell the, the product. And, you know, you don't have all that heavyweight stuff to deal with anymore. You know, it's such an exciting place to be.
3: It has to be liberating as an artist because you can focus. You, could, you pretty much don't have to kowtow to anybody now. You can you can do exactly what you feel like doing
1: exactly what you want to do. And, you know, you don't have to edit your music to fit some idiot's format of three (laughs) minutes so they can, you know, play it on the radio. And, uh, you know, he's he's only made up this format of three minutes because it it, it's a, a mathematical equation that they have to adhere to. So they have enough time for all their advertising to play. You
3: know? <laughs> you, you know with that what what are your thoughts on the way music is now with you know streaming being pretty much the way you know taking over how people consume it uh, versus a physical sale I mean the, the numbers aren't there in the royalties for the artist right
1: no because the artist didn't know how to do it you know yeah nobody knew how to do it at the beginning it, it needs to be modified and, and revamped so that the artist has the you know a, a fair uh, paycheck, basically, yeah, you know, you know nobody should be expected to work for free. You should be able to make money doing what you do and be able to support yourself, you know,
3: yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, I'm all for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I see some of these these numbers that get thrown out there and it's it's sad. It's like it seems like we don't value music as much as maybe we did you know twenty years ago.
1: We don't. we don't. and it's uh, it's it's definitely an American thing and a uh, an Asian. Uh, thing as well. Okay. But, uh, Europe, Europe—it's a different story, and a lot of uh, a lot of musicians are spending a lot more time working in Europe now and, and living in Europe because uh, it's much more acceptable okay. there. You know, it's almost reminiscent of what happened to the the jazz players in the in the twenties and thirties and forties. How they just got nobody wanted jazz music in America anymore, so all the jazz musicians moved to France where they were celebrated (laughs) and people came to their shows and they could make a living, you know? And only now, in retrospect, do we look back and go, oh my God, the brilliance of Miles Davis. But at the time, you know, nobody gave two cents about him.
4: Yeah
2: skin, we're selling God, the numbers look the same on our credit cards.
4: Our politicians say, don't do drugs,
2: I guess they want us all around to fight their fucking war. We're fighting fire, within the two words on the banks, get fat. the poor stay poor, and the rich get rich, the ass get free, and look away, it's
4: the, is the of who's left the million. On the darkness tree
3: A little bit. Uh, I caught your show in St. Paul a couple years ago. You were doing that acoustic "The Whole Story" thing. Oh yeah, Uh, yeah. um, It was. It was. First of all, it was fabulous. Your voice sounded great. The the band you had was uh, top notch as well. Uh, but there is a just juxtaposition in the audience that I actually wanted to ask you about to see if you know how you view it or if you're even aware of it, and that like, because um, this was not like a, a metal show. This was a, very much an evening with with Jeff Tate. You know, there was a, a certain amount of elegance, but th- there was a certain amount of the audience that I think got that and came prepared for that, and there was some guys that kind of came, you know, with their their old school Queensryche t-shirts and they wanted to hear a metal show and get hammered, you know, uh, d- does that frustrate you? Do you even notice that? Uh, or does, does it just kind of part of the territory?
1: Uh, well, I never used to notice it because I always <laughs> wore, I always wore in-ear monitors, you know, okay. and I didn't have the audience in my, in, in my mix. I just had the music, you know, and me, um, uh, so no, I never could hear what anybody else was saying, <laughs> except for that tour. Yeah. Uh, it was the first tour I had done using um, speaker wedges, you know, the old school kind yeah. of speaker wedges. And I wasn't wearing an ear monitor, so I could hear people talking and, and carrying on conversations. And I was actually quite shocked that people talk during a performance. You know, that's, that's like crazy to me. Why, why on earth did you pay money to buy a ticket to see an artist perform and to hear the artist perform, but you're talking yeah. on top of them. You know that doesn't make sense to me. It's like, what's going on? What's what happened in the world? <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> while were... I was tuned out and listening to myself, yeah. what happened? <laughs> I don't remember us doing that anymore back I, I, in the day. But maybe that's why you know, we played so damn loud was to drown out all the people that were more interested in talking about themselves. You know, uh,
3: I just remember someone like yelling out, like they wanted to buy a round of shots for the band or something. And I'm like, you know what, dude, you know, read the room, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. um, Oh, can I get you a spotlight, sir? Oh, yeah, okay. exactly. Well, I just felt like you know you were you were giving a very intentional performance. You know, this was not meant to be a, a club rock and roll show. You were right in front of us, you know, and it was very intimate. And it was it was it was amazing. I loved it. It was one of my favorite shows. You know, uh, I've ever seen you you do, but. It's still. It was like, man, if I was, you know, it was bothering me. I'm like, it had, you know, I was just, I was just curious how you felt about it. So, I, thanks for getting into that a little bit.
1: You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's one thing that uh, could really irritate you and ruin your day if you think about it too much. But then another, on another hand, it's kind of funny in a way, you yeah. know, because uh, my daughter actually sent me. Uh, I guess it's called a meme, you know. <laughs> It's a, a picture of oh, me. Oh man. It's a picture of me and I'm standing there on a stage and I'm looking kind of disgusted and looking away and the caption is when when you're trying to talk to the audience and that guy keeps screaming out queen of the reich. <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, you're definitely right though with the I mean with the cell phones especially. I mean I was reminded of something you did a few years ago recently when Rob Halford kicked a phone out of somebody's hand.
1: Thank um, you. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah,
3: oh, well, <laughs> I I loved it. I was like, because on our show, we are huge proponents of put your phone away. We've kind of accepted that if you're going to take a couple pictures, that's one thing. But when people are filming the entire show, they're blocking the people behind them. It's just inconsiderate. It's not in the moment. It just... I don't know. Did did you, did you have any flashbacks when you saw Rob kick? And I assume you heard about it. It was everywhere.
1: Well, what, what really got me was that uh, when I did it years ago, uh, man, I was like painted to be like the worst person in the world. I was like a criminal for doing that. Right. That was a rough when stretch Rob, for you. When, when Rob did it, it was comment after comment of go, Rob you know, your phone's mm-hmm. got another thing coming and all these little <laughs> sayings. <you know? laughs> so he, it was okay for him to do it. Uh, and, but not me, you know, well, and you mine were... was, and mine was part of the show. It, it was, uh, the guy that, uh, uh, who I threw his phone, we actually came back backstage and he goes, God, I'm so bummed. I, I dropped my phone when you threw it back to me. I couldn't see it because of the lights, you know, were in, my, in sure. his eyes. But, uh, I don't know, he wasn't. He wasn't heard about it.
3: Uh, well, I guess that that follows up. I was just curious if you heard anything more about it. But uh, uh, I'll tell you this: uh, I know I'm not the only person.
1: I was okay with it. I,
3: I, I thought it was
1: cool. I thought you were going to say you're, you're, you, 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 and people on your show are proponents of violence.
3: <laughs> oh no 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 not not at all no we we just think you should put your phone away and enjoy the evening you know and if and if you, if you have the need to take this picture that you're never going to look at because it's not that good. Just just take a couple and put it away. I, I can I can live with that. You know, it's when the person's filming an entire song and they're right in front of you. I just, just be courteous of other people. That's that's oh, our yeah. attitude.
1: The other night at a, at uh, the Aventasia show, there was a guy sitting in the balcony of the venue that we were playing in, and, and he was just filming the whole thing, just sitting there, yeah. sitting on his chair.
3: Well, it's almost ironic that it, there's footage of somebody filming it on their cell phone of someone getting their cell phone kicked out of their hand. Yeah, out. is it? That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> um. You, 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 another thing you got coming up that I thought was kind of a, a, a definitely interesting was this eight day wine tour. and it's, it's in October or something like that. Um,
1: oh yeah. We do that every year.
3: This is not it's, the first uh, time.
1: No, no, we do this every year. It's, it's our, it's our harvest festival basically. Cause uh, we, uh, we have our Instania wine brand and it's made in, in uh, Germany in Southwest Germany. And uh, every harvest season you know we all get together and we celebrate the, the vintage and uh, we eat we drink we tell stories we sing songs and we have kind of a a mini festival in this little tiny german town in the middle of nowhere it's pretty funny because thousands of people show up to it now and uh it's free you know and you just come and drink and you know have a good time and, and you don't know who's going to be up on stage we have a little stage we erect and all uh, my musician friends uh, have stopped by over the years and and we get into these like really weird jam sessions where we'll be we'll play some Frank Zappa maybe we'll play uh, a string of songs from the Beatles and we'll play some of our own music and you know we kind of hook up and do different things you know it's it's pretty darn fun
3: have you ever thought about calling it operation wine crime
1: Yes, that's been floated by a few times. <laughs> oh, not the first time. Uh,
3: so, uh, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, because I'm imagining one of those guys wanting to buy the band around to shots, you know, hopping into the the, the cruiser with you on this eight-day trek, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- what kind of fan actually, because uh, I mean, your name's attached to it, obviously that that's the the draw for anybody that would, would go on this, right? I mean...
1: Uh, well, a lot of people want to come to uh, Europe, for example. They want to go to France, but they're just really... Uh, hesitant about it because they're unfamiliar and it's a different language uh it's different culture they've never been there they don't know where to go and this this is an example of a trip where you're basically on a guided tour by somebody who's knows the place and that's you right uh, that's me all right and i've been there a, a whole lot i know all the cool places to go i know what things to avoid and so you're gonna go and you're gonna have a really good time you're gonna be Probably inebriated the whole time, but that's cool. You know? <laughs> are,
3: are you? Are we actually like? Are you driving?
1: Uh, I do on some days. Yeah. Okay, the days I don't drink. <laughs> okay, it, well I,
3: that was assumed. But uh, um, <laughs> is it like a van or a couple cars, or what do you do? I'm just trying to picture yeah, this whole got, thing.
1: Yeah, we've got like a you know Mercedes Sprinter van, and it's pretty comfy and cushy and and safe and and fun, and uh, but yet you know. It's me driving. Yeah. So (laughs) he got that.
3: Yeah. How, how drunk are we talking? Are people taking shirts off at the end of the night or?
1: Oh, you know, it it gets kind of crazy. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's one of those things that, um, it's always different because it's always different people and group dynamics are always different. We do, we do an Ireland trip and we do the, the one in Germany and France it, it kind of goes where the winery is, is located is uh, in the corner of Germany, France, and Switzerland, right there in that little corner. So you get to see Switzerland, you get to see France, and you get to see Germany all, on the same trip. And then we have an Italian trip that we do as well that's centered around Rome and um, the uh, environment around Rome, the countryside, which is really kind of pretty cool, too.
3: And so these these are people that you don't know, right? These are you know.
1: No, it's people that I don't know. But after the week, we definitely know each other. In fact, some people have uh, been to both, been to the the winery um, tour, and some people have been on the Irish tour already.
3: (laughs) Have you ever been on one where you're like, I really hope that guy doesn't book the the other tour?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, really, people are very cool. You know, they're. I mean, they're you know older you know people now so it's not like they're you know young kids uh that kind of thing it's it's mature people who uh you know want to see some of the world and and want to have a guided trip and and have a, a unique time you know and it's all we have only musicians involved so you know with the, that are on the trip with us so you're getting uh, there's all kinds of music uh traditional music modern music we do a recording studio day uh, where we take them to the recording studio and we we work on one of my songs at that time.
4: Oh, okay, nice. And
1: some people and some people that can sing have sang on a track that I have, and uh, some people that can play guitar will give them a shot at a, a guitar line, you know, or a drum part if they if they if they play, you know. And some people don't play at all, but they just want to hang out and see how the whole thing works, you know, yeah. which is fun too.
3: Well, I'll I'll book it once we're done talking. Uh, it it's, uh, it goes over <laughs> yeah, my birthday, good. so uh, happy birthday to me! I'm sure uh, I'm sure it's all good.
1: It's uh, a great way to spend your birthday. We've we've uh, had a few people that have signed up. Absolutely,
3: so,
1: yeah, we have a big party.
4: i yeah.
3: to jeff tate so i i have to ask you about the the record operation mind crime um, Okay. one of the the, the things because you know it, 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 as i'm sure you're aware it's a very important record to a lot of people it, it kind of broke queens Reich in many ways um was there a moment though i mean it, this obviously had to be a record that took a lot of time to create um was there a moment during the process that you just you, you really under started to realize how monumental this record was going to be Were no oblivious no. to it
1: no, that uh, you don't you don't know that until uh, until you hear the feedback on it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't I've never released anything that I, I wasn't proud of or, or wasn't uh, into, you know. So uh, I always think it's the greatest thing ever and, uh, <laughs> out and and some things some things you're in the right place at the right time. You know, Mind Crime was one of those albums that was unique and different. And we had the, the the power of this gigantic corporate monolith called EMI records with millions of dollars to spend to promote it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, if I think if the same record came out now, it would, would not even have the same impact because it, it couldn't get heard, you know, as much as that album did. Yeah. Uh, and that's the problem with the way things work nowadays is that you are really limited on, you know, your, your reach, you know, like I have a, a heck of a reach because i've been doing it for so many years for The history yeah. much much more than say a new younger band coming out because they don't have an audience yet you know so i have a, a larger you know more panoramic reach you know to when i release something and so i guess my point is is that you know we all i think as a band if i can speak for them i think all of us were very proud of that record and 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 loved it and uh i'm continually surprised at how affecting the record was to people, you know, I well, mean, it seemed I seem like it
3: Nostradamus
1: now, the way thing the world is looking. So.
3: <laughs>
2: what, I've
1: heard that before from people, yeah. but you know, it's, uh, uh, I just did, uh, the 30 year anniversary tour of, the uh, my crime record that has two more weeks left, um, on the East coast coming up here in the uh, end of June. But, uh, it was, you know, 19 country tour, uh, took over a year to complete, and I still get calls from promoters, you know, wanting to, you know, book that show and for me to keep playing it, you know. And I keep saying, well, I have to end it. You know, I have to stop. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's been over the time limit now. You know, i got to do something else. But it's it's hard to say no, you know, because so many people like the record and want to hear it still. And I'm I'm very pleased and happy about that.
3: And it was a bit of a slow grower out of the gate, if I recall, right? It broke about a, it year, was.
1: a year later, right? Yeah, you know, for... Uh, most people, I think, one, they didn't quite understand what it was. Two, uh, they had less of a chance of understanding what it was because all the lyrics to the album were printed like incredibly small, like small, <laughs> smaller than like on a medicine bottle.
3: You know? Yeah, I had the cassette, <laughs> you know, trying to read that, flip that little sucker out, but uh, oh, you couldn't; it was impossible. Um, but yeah, it definitely one one thing I think that really helped you guys as far as going forward from that point it made a very clear definition between Queensryche and a lot of the bands that you were kind of lumped in at the time, more, more of the, the party rock kind of hair metal bands. You know, it, you guys were more of a musician's band, really, and that kind of separated you, I thought.
1: Mm. Perhaps it did, yeah. Uh, you know, we were the kind of band we uh, opened up for everybody. We were like a professional opening act for most of our career, Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, were associated with... with you know, bands as uh, diverse as, you know, Bon Jovi to Judas Priest, you know, to Iron Maiden, you know, I mean, those are pretty different bands, you know, different different kinds of music there. Yeah. But we, we, we toured with all those people, Rat, you know, Twisted Sister, for God's sakes. <laughs> uh, not a fan? <laughs> oh, no, I, I love those guys. But okay. They're, they're, their music is quite different and their whole message yeah. is quite different than ours, you know? Well, no, Twisted Sister was one of the first bands we ever toured with and they treated us incredibly and okay. very kind to us. And, you know, just uh, a couple years ago, we showed up at a festival in Madrid, Spain without our gear. It didn't make it. And Twisted Sister were kind enough to uh, give us guitars and amps so we could uh, do our show. Right on. Yeah. You know?
3: Yeah. Um you know a few months back I read in uh I don't know if if it was an interview that was reprinting an uh an audio interview but something along the lines of you you thought you had one or two more records in you uh is Sweet Oblivion one of those two records or do we got
1: a couple more coming Uh I've got enough for a couple more now yeah. um I just have to kind of put the finishing touches on things which uh, I hope to do over this next year um would they no, be I like a Jeff Tate solo, or? Yeah, I don't know how I'm, how I'm gonna categorize them yet. I, you know, I honestly don't know if I'm gonna release them as an album or two albums, or am I am I gonna do individual songs? That's always very attractive right now. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I just haven't made up my mind yet.
3: Uh, my only uh, question regarding the, your your former band would be. Uh, you, you guys obviously worked together for a long time before the breakup, which, you know, there, there's plenty of details out there if, if people want to get into that. I'm just curious, Jeff, has time healed any wounds with with the you and the, your former bandmates?
1: Oh, I don't know. I couldn't speak for them. I, I could tell you that we, uh, well, we have had one meeting, and that was me instigating it. And uh, I was on tour last year with Aventasia, and we are headlining this uh, festival in Barcelona. And uh, I was with my friend Ronnie Atkins from Pretty Maids, and his band Pretty Maids was uh, going to be playing in the afternoon. So I went out to watch him play. And uh, when I got to the the site, someone said, "Hey, your old band is playing." And uh, I could hear what sounded like me <laughs> singing, you know. And I thought, "Oh God, I better go check them out." So I went and checked them out, and I went up to each guy afterwards and said hi. But they haven't reached out, and they haven't returned communication of any kind uh so it's uh it's pretty much dead in the water you know that's and too I, bad it's such, a, it's such a shame to see what's happened to them now you know what i mean they don't have scott anymore they don't have me they don't have chris uh they just have the, the rhythm guitar player and the bass player now you know
3: yeah uh well that's too bad i mean you know as, as fans we all want everybody to mom and dad to stay married forever you know what i mean
1: uh, I was telling I was telling Chris the other day on the phone I said you know maybe we should start a Queensrÿche tribute band me you and Scott <laughs> <laughs> What do you think
3: <laughs> Oh well, yeah I think it's a great idea <laughs> <laughs> Um is Operation Mindcrime going to be something that you you just mentioned it a little bit ago but like is that a band or is it just like you presenting the album How do you how would you categorize that Is that like something that we can see a record from or
1: uh, well, under the name Operation Mind Crime, uh, I released three albums oh. uh, The Key, Resurrection, and uh, what was the last one called? Um, and another one, <laughs> the last one. I can't remember what it's called right now. Uh, yeah, I did three albums under that name. And then uh, that's the, uh, the end of the project. I think it's uh, the end of the Operation Mind Crime project for now. All
3: right. Um, well, tell us what's, uh, la, what Jeff Tate's got, ra- uh, lined up for the rest of the year. We touched on a couple of things, but did I, did I miss I am, anything?
1: I am just touring, touring, touring. You know, I'm, I'm doing some dates on my own in June and in August in the UK. And then I'm planting myself in, in France for the summer, finishing up, uh, a bunch of songs that I've been working on and, and maybe making an album. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, that's pretty much it. I'm just mostly touring.
3: Um and any chance at some point down the line maybe you'll you'll throw together none of one of those uh, kind of acoustic shows I saw
1: I hope so I I you know honestly I, I truly loved that show it was it was wonderful uh experience playing with uh, uh different kinds of musicians you know who played more uh well different instruments you know I had a cello player and a violin player mm-hmm. a mandolin player um I like that kind of combination quite a bit. I like hearing my music played in a real stripped down way, you know? Yeah, it worked great. Which which is kind of like a return to the way it starts out, because uh, every, every song I've ever written has started out either on uh, piano or acoustic guitar, and then it gets built up from there, you know? So this was kind of a way of presenting it in its uh, infancy, you know, kind of stripped down version of the way it started. Well, if you
3: do do it again, I definitely recommend it to anybody listening to go check it out. But uh, it wouldn't kill you to put a button-up shirt on if you go. (laughs) And anyway, Jeff, this has been a pleasure. I've I've been a fan for a long time. Uh, Thank you for your time, I guess, you know?
1: Oh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, hopefully we'll do this again and hopefully sooner than three years from now.
3: Right on. Um, And (laughs) you enjoy the rest of your evening and
1: uh, have a good summer. I will. You too, man. Take care. See you, man. Bye-bye now.